The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Uh, here with a very special guest again, actually, Kathy Brummage, mm-hmm. Chief Marketing Officer and Communication Officer here at the Hartford. Uh, we're talking more about employees, but before we do, um, we're going to take this quick break from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by the Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, the Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers. Check out the Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. All right, everybody, you're, we're back. This is Gene here with Kathy. We're talking about people. Uh, we talked in another podcast about uh, some, some of your thoughts and advice on hiring people. Uh, Kathy, for those of you guys that have not, uh, did not listen to that podcast just a little bit, just to, again, a quick background. How long have you been at the Hartford, Kathy? Been at the Hartford for 15 years. And before that? Oh, my gosh. Bunch I of spent the places. first part of my career in finance, both mm-hmm. in public accounting and for major financial services companies. And then I made a pivot to small business, kind of pre-internet and through the internet boom. And then I found my way to insurance here at the Hartford. That's awesome. And you are an account. Are you still a CPA or did you let that lapse? I let my continuing education lapse. Uh, naughty, yes. naughty. Okay. I, yes. I, I keep up on mine because I worked so hard to no. get that. I got, anyway. uh, uh, but you are, you're a financial background, which I is am. a unique mm-hmm. perspective because you are, um, you're the chief marketing officer mm-hmm. at a fortune 500 company. It's mm-hmm. not the kind of path one would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, in another podcast, we're talking about metrics. So we will get into that at that time. This time we're talking about people. We, we talked earlier again, an additional podcast about hiring people. Mm-hmm. Now I want to keep about motivating people. So you said earlier in this other podcast that you supervise about 200 people, mm-hmm. right? It's 200 people mm-hmm. that, that you directly report mm-hmm. up to you. So how has that changed over the past 15 years for your existing employees? Are people more demanding, less demanding? Are you finding employees themselves to be different than they were 15 years ago? Yeah, I think people have always been somewhat demanding. I honestly think what has changed is this notion of the war on talent. And the fact that people have lots more choices today than perhaps um, we had years ago. Job choices. Job choices. I think there's a lot less stigma to changing jobs than there might have been back when I was in my early career. And so as a result, I think it puts a lot more pressure on who you're trying to hire and what is that person looking to accomplish and are we going to be able to meet that expectation. Right. And do you find that more employees are making those demands or or asking you about those kinds of things? You know, I think the biggest place where I see the change is that years ago, it was somewhat hierarchical. Yeah. And you literally just did your job. And if you did a good job, somebody would tap you on the shoulder and you would get the next opportunity. And I think what has happened over the last many years is Folks are far more engaged and involved in their career and making clear their expectations around mobility and advancement and probably with timeframes in mind that are quicker um, than may be appropriate. And that requires a fair amount of discussion as well. 
people here uh, today want feedback, you know, a lot of feedback. And mm-hmm. it is, it's funny because you and I are from one generation where, you know, you couldn't, you know, right? I mean, mm-hmm. our parents ignored us, mm-hmm. you know, let alone, you know, our mm-hmm. bosses. And now in, in, you know, there's just this generation of workers here have kind of grown up in, in a place where they were getting mm-hmm. lots of feedback, which is a good thing. So tell me about performance reviews. What do you guys what do you guys do? What works? What doesn't? What advice do you have about reviewing your employees? You know, performance reviews is like the topic of the day. And by the way, everybody's wonder, terrible at them. I just want you to write everyone. Okay. You know, let, let's just start with you shouldn't need a performance review to get an understanding of how you're performing. And if you're learning anything in a performance review that you're not already aware of, then shame on us. Right. So I just want to start with that. But the notion of a performance review, whether you're doing a performance discussion once a month or mid-year or at the end of the year, is really to help somebody deliver against their full potential. It's not necessarily about the do's and don'ts. It's about how can you be better, which requires that you really spend time figuring out how to communicate that message so that somebody hears the intent is about helping you get better, not about pointing out your flaws. And how you write something, whether it's sort of expressed and this is what you could do and this is how it could help you versus this is what you're not doing, just makes a big difference in the way feedback is received. And it sounds the, like positive rather than negative mm-hmm, reinforcement. Positive right? tone. Yeah. You know, the thing that I learned myself and how mm-hmm. I respond is people think I gave you balanced feedback. Balanced feedback, in my opinion, is 80% of the things you're doing really well, keep doing that, and 20% of things that would actually make your performance stronger. If you actually give somebody 50-50, they're crying in the bathroom. That we all pay attention to what was said that was negative as opposed to what was said that was positive. So just focus on one or two things that you think could help somebody advance their career to achieve their full potential Let's not do sort of a T account with sort of as many pluses as you have minuses. That's, That's just an accounting productive. reference, everybody, for those that are Sorry keeping about track. That. Right. right, okay. Fair enough. Um, you know, when, when it comes to performance reviews, um, different people have different opinions on them. So you think they should be done throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You, know, but you think mm-hmm. it should be like a constant kind of mm-hmm. feedback. How about you? Like, who does your performance review? That's a loaded question. Yeah. So my performance review is actually reviewed by our board of directors because right. I'm an officer of the company. And so my boss, who's the CEO, is accountable for that performance review. And so, as you would imagine, he asks for my assessment of my performance. And then I think he takes that and he emphasizes what he wants to emphasize that he thinks is important. And he has his own views around what I could do better from a development perspective. But I will tell you, I have no idea what I'm rated. Mm. Um, I kind of look at my compensation and mm-hmm. I get a sense for, does he think I did a good job or not? But we're not having a conversation around a numerical rating. Um, we're not having a conversation around, am I exceeding or achieving? We're literally just having a conversation around my impact on the company and how I can do better. Right. Is your performance review, um, is it like a collaborative thing like you do for you, the people that report into you? And I ask this because mm-hmm. if I'm a business owner, um, you know, business owners do have their boards. Mm-hmm. They, we have boards of advisors mm-hmm. as well. Um, do you do you feel that, do you, first of all, is it a collaborative process? Do you get feedback from other people besides just your boss? Um, and is it completely metric mm-hmm. driven or is there some non-quantitative parts to your review as a 
leader in a company? So as an organization at the Hartford, we've embraced the philosophy that it is just as important to talk about how you did something as what you did. Okay. So from a performance discussion and even from a compensation discussion, they're equally weighted. So you can accomplish a lot, but if you're leaving bodies in your wake, that's not a good performance. So we are very balanced in the what and the how and how we expect people to conduct themselves um, to drive a positive culture. So from a collaborative perspective, by definition, I'm supporting our businesses and what they're trying to accomplish. And I get feedback from them on a regular basis as to whether they think the things that I am advancing are going to add value or not. And they help to shape my priorities. And then they are the judge of whether or not I delivered against the commitments that I made. Got it. And there are numerics associated with that. Got it. Do you believe in subordinates giving you performance reviews? And you just said you're getting feedback from the businesses that Mm -hmm. you supervise. Mm -hmm. Is that something that a, a business owner should consider? You know, you know, I'm probably okay at this. I will oftentimes, when I'm giving my own discussion with my direct reports on their performance, ask them if there's something I can do um, to be more effective for them. And I, sometimes I get the deer in the headlights look like, oh my God, am I really going to tell People don't want to be her? honest. Yeah, people don't want to be honest. But I will say this. This is how I get my feedback. In every team I've ever had, there's always somebody on the team who will be totally honest with me. So that if I've been on main stage and I've said something and somebody misunderstood, they come back around and tell me. Right. Or maybe I really intended to say what I said. Right. They'll tell me what the reaction was. Or there's somebody who will say, you gave direction and it wasn't clear and here's the result. Because a lot of people just aren't comfortable giving their boss feedback. Um, But if you can find somebody on your team who will be straight with you, that is a gift that should be cultivated. And that's generally how I get my feedback. Great. All right, let me turn to bonuses. Um, do you guys give bonuses? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on bonuses? Do they work? It depends. What I would say is that you, if you use a bonus as a mechanism for demonstrating differentiation, they work. Okay. If you just spread it like peanut butter, not so much. Mm. It just becomes part of your overall People expect it. Yeah. But if you got, you know, depending upon the circumstances, sometimes companies do better some years than others, and that affects how much bonus is available to pay out. But generally, if you are differentiating on your bonus payout, you are having a conversation, in particular for the people maybe whose bonuses weren't as strong, as to why that was. It forces you, in my opinion, to have the conversation that you may not be having because not everybody's good with constructive feedback. And for the people that are really putting it out there and really driving positive change, it's a tangible sign of the impact that they're having on the company and why shouldn't they share in its success. How are your bonuses done? I mean, some people, there, there's always a debate in a business between should we do it more of like a profit share, mm-hmm. you know, or just as a percentage of sales or just a discretionary mm-hmm. kind of thing? Like what, what methodology do you guys use? So I'm going to totally oversimplify because okay. we're a big company. We have HR professionals. Right. But our bonus pool is directly tied to the company's performance, both short-term and long-term. So the way our compensation systems are designed, there is a short-term bonus and then there is sort of a long-term incentive. And that's put in place to make sure we don't make decisions that are good for the short-term that are not so good for the long-term. And then our 
awards in many respects are determined based upon how we did relative to our plan and how we did relative to the competition. So it's fine to meet your plan, but if in meeting your plan, you're falling behind the leaders in your industry, that's not a positive outcome. So there's a pretty so, complex design that takes in it's outside interesting. So it's and inside. overall profitability of the company. Mm -hmm. So again, mm -hmm. if you're running a business, that means you have to be prepared to share those numbers mm -hmm. if you're going to have a bonus based on mm -hmm. that. Um, you have a plan, which means mm -hmm. that's a budget. Mm -hmm. It's a plan, which again, if you're running a business, you have to devote the time and effort into doing a budget and saying, how are you doing? And then it's interesting that you actually compare against your competition, mm -hmm. um, which would be sort of inapplicable to most business. I mean, how do we get, you know, I mean, the only thing I could think of that would be anywhere near that is to benchmark it against maybe some publicly held companies in your industry. Mm -hmm. If you're running a smaller mm -hmm. company to see if you're if you're making those objectives, you know, and again, this probably applies more in a retail setting, mm -hmm. but you know, some sort of voice of customer. So some way, you know, there are, you know, controversial things out there like Yelp and all or TripAdvisor, but there are mechanisms in place that kind of give you a rating relative to the competition, right? Um, which is some sense for feedback on how you're performing. And we talked earlier about how influential your customers are and the experience that's delivered. Right. You know, so from a competitive perspective, you could think about repeat customers and things like that as a proxy for how well you're doing um, when you're not a large company like the Hartford with access to publicly available financial data. That's actually a great advice. And, you know, I'm thinking of one client in particular that pays commissions and bonuses mm -hmm. based on, you know, you have a, a benchmark of what, what were sales to these top customers last mm -hmm. year and then mm -hmm. anything 3% more, 5% mm -hmm. more, we're going to share in that. So that's... Well, it's like everybody knows yeah. the best path to growth is to retain the customers you right. have right. and make those and customers them. referral sources. Got it. Got it. Um, you and I come from a generation, mm -hmm. we were talking before this mm -hmm. about writing letters, yep. um, you know, and watching the Flintstones mm -hmm. and, you know, having a whole different world of, mm -hmm. of employees and managers. Um, the average age of the U.S. business owner is about 52 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in fact, almost 60% of business owners today, um, this is just the studies that came out recently, um, are, are baby boomers. Okay. So those mm -hmm. are people born... 1946 to 1964. So that, these are the people that are running the majority of business. Most of the people, that generation, our generation, are not, are not like touchy-feely people, you know? Like, we just like, come to work, do your job, here's your paycheck, that's all we want. But, you want positive feedback? Yeah, right, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot, nowadays, a lot of companies are having new types of ways to keep their employees happy and productive team building exercises, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, the, the retreats mm -hmm. that they go away. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you do those kinds of things? Do you enjoy doing those kinds of things as a, as an executive? Do you find that they are um, productive um, and, and worthwhile? I think anytime you can spend time with the people you work with um, in a non-business setting, just to kind of get to know each other is positive. Okay. Um, I just think once you know somebody sort of as a human being, and once you actually have a relationship with that person, you're more likely to assume positive intent in the workplace. Right. So I do think that's a positive. But my own sort of thing is that's all good, but I think what really is going to motivate folks is they feel like they're working on interesting things and that the things they're working on are actually important. Hmm. And so this notion of I want to learn new skills 
I want to meet new people. I want to expand my network. Best way to fulfill those expectations is to make sure that you're giving people access to work that is interesting to them and important to the company. Great. Other thoughts, a couple other quick questions for you. Um, open office environments, what do mm-hmm. you think of them as a, as a team building thing or as a motivational thing for employees? You like them or you don't? I think we've proven here at the Hartford, um, they're very effective. Good. Um, it's easy for me though, I sit in an office. I think you have to adjust to sort of the noise factor. But I like the fact that I can stand up and I can see somebody. I like the fact that I can see if Hannah's at her cube and I can just walk over. Um, I like sort of the democratization of it because maybe it takes away from sort of what grade or what tier are you because we're kind of all the same and we're all contributing. I do find, though, if people want to have a private conversation, you know, you need to have an awful lot of common areas so that people have a place to go to have that conversation so they're not disruptive. And you do see a lot of people with headphones on trying to screen out the noise. But I think that it is a path towards eliminating some of the status stuff that has crept into corporate culture. That's great. Final question. Um, in all the years you've been in business and all this stuff that um, you, you've supervised a lot of people, is there is there one benefit, like say resources are limited, mm-hmm. I can't provide all the benefits that the Hartford provides, you know? So if, if I were to have just be really great at one benefit to keep my people happy and motivated and to attract mm-hmm. new people, like health insurance, retirement, paid time, you know, is there anything in particular that you think is 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 a resonating benefit for for keeping people happy? If you were so going to prioritize, I believe healthcare okay. costs are really really important, and the reason for that is it's really expensive. And when you're first starting out, you don't have a lot of discretionary income, and medical costs are a big part of sort of what goes out every month um, from your paycheck. So I think the ability to have attractive medical benefits really, really important. After that, I do think it's flexibility. Right. So first priority, if you're running a business mm-hmm. and you're choosing benefits, mm-hmm. you should really be focusing on healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right about flexibility mm-hmm. where you can. Mm-hmm. Some people right. can provide That's that. Right. Others can. Kathy Bromwich, thank you. That thank was a great you. conversation. Great information about motivating, keeping your employees going. Some of your thoughts on these benefits. Good stuff. Um, this has been the Small Biz Ahead podcast. My name is Gene Marks, and uh, we look forward to uh, you joining us on our next podcast. Good. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.